The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. Hey everybody, welcome to Rotowire uh, Roto Fantasy Baseball Podcast. Jeff Erickson here with my guest today is the great Alex Fast. You can catch Alex in a lot of places, pitcher list being the primary place, but you see him on TV a lot, either at ESPN or at MLB Network, uh, Mass and uh, Orioles coverage as well. Alex, thank you so much for joining me today. Yeah, thanks so much for having me. I'm excited to be here and talk some baseball. Yeah, I think we talked once, maybe, was it last year that I had you on? I think so, like time? right during the pandemic, I think, yeah. Yeah. Uh, and so this is good. We get normal talk now. Uh, yeah. We actually have uh, covers to discuss. Uh, you know, it, it, it's a good time. So uh, I'm sending out a tweet right now uh, for people to kind of chime in with us. So uh, hopefully, uh, hopefully people will jump in, in the comment section. But OK, so last we got to start with last night. That was okay. I don't know how much of that uh, Padres Dodgers game you caught, but that was insane. One of those game of the year type of games. I had so much fun watching that. Yeah, I only I didn't stay up for the entire 16 innings because I'm I'm getting yeah. a little bit old and I'm on the East Coast. But I watched a lot of the highlights today, and I, I was I was I saw the Orioles break their their streak, and that was it. That was the only baseball I needed for for the night. Hitting three home runs off Shohei Otani, and I was like, okay, we're 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 good to go. That was my game of the night. Okay, cool, cool. I I've got the West Coast advantage. I don't have the age advantage, dude. You say you're getting a little old. That's a lie. I, I'm <laughs> I'm the old one here, man. I mean, no. you're supposed to make me feel young. But, no, I came out of the womb listening to Steely Dan and complaining about my knees. I'm I'm just an old soul. Nice. nice. Uh, but so, I want to start off with Blake Snell. I mean, okay. he pitched great against the Dodgers last night. He's pitched well against the Dodgers. You know, this is the one team he hasn't really been stymied by. Uh, okay. he, he's had a ridiculous home road splits. He's had problems working deep in the games. He went seven and two thirds last night. It's a career high for him. Unfortunately, seven and a third would have probably been a little bit better off for the Padres. Uh, he gave mm -hmm. up that homer to Will Smith, who only hits clutch homers. It's the only homers yeah. he types of hits. But uh, what do we make out of Blake Snell next year? I know I'm, I'm kind of jumping ahead into the problem pitchers for next year, but let's he's topical. Let's jump right into Blake Snell. No, that, that's, you know, okay, there's a, there's a lot to kind of discuss here and a lot to really think about. And there's what we see analytically and the things that are the intangibles that we don't really quite right. know about, right? So let's start with what we're looking at analytically, right? A couple of weeks ago, or maybe two weeks ago or so, we saw Blake Snell with that 13 strikeout game, right? And we were like, oh my God, this is what we've been waiting for. Is this the Blake Snell we're finally going to get moving forward? 
And one of the big noticeable differences that we saw recently that he seems to be sustaining is shifting more to a fastball slider, right? Yeah. And just focusing on those two pitches, which is, if I would have said that to you two years ago, hey, he's just going to be fastball slider, you'd be like, well, that's not great because he's got two other great pitches in his arsenal. But that curveball and that changeup have not been good for him whatsoever. Both of those pitches have negative P valves. And that's the first time ever in his career that either pitch has had a negative P-Val. It just hasn't been successful for him. What's been great about the slider is he's been throwing it in the zone more. He's been able to get ahead with that pitch. He's been able to throw it for strikes and not necessarily rely on getting guys to swing out of the zone with the pitch. So that's been exciting to see. That's the statistical stuff that has me a little bit more intrigued that we're going to get back to the Blake Snell that we kind of know and love. There's another topic that I've been discussing with with Nick Pollock, uh, for those listening, the founder of uh, PitcherList. about, which is a little more intangible, which is trying to really determine what is going on behind the scenes with pitching coaches and with organizations and who develops pitchers well, right? Uh, I, Larry Rothschild obviously just lost his job in San Diego. And it's no, it's no secret that that organization has been sort of a letdown in terms of starting pitching. They're 17th in terms of starting pitcher ERA. And I mean, between Chris Paddock being ineffective, between Blake Snell being ineffective at the beginning of the year, between Joe Musgrove being up and down, between you Darvish having second or third highest ERA of his entire career, I just wondered about, you know, and Mackenzie Gore being just completely lost in the minors right, right now. It, it's It was like, okay, well, is this an organization that maybe isn't known for, you know, helping pitchers along? And And, you know, again, Purely subjective. There's been plenty of injuries also that they have to deal with. But I was a little worried about what Blake Snow was going to turn into if Larry Rothschild was still there. I'm very curious to see what they do this offseason in terms of their pitching coach. And that might actually sway me a little bit more. For Blake Snell next year, it's really going to be at how he finishes. If this is kind of a flash in the pan and the rest of the season starts to look like the beginning of the season, who even knows where he gets drafted next year? I mean, where, where do you personally think – Blake Snell should go at next year. Where where would you feel comfortable taking him? I'm encouraged by the last month or so, or three weeks at least. This is even it dates back to even before Rothschild got fired. You know, he had a good start up in Seattle. Finally, had a couple of good road starts that were credible. I still say in the first ten rounds, and I would probably want him as my third starter. Yeah. I might that might change my tune. I might bump up to SP two by the end of the season if this continues a little bit. You know, it's interesting though. It's like for the I, I was out on Snell going into this year. Mm-hmm. I I was worried about you know b- being able to go deep into games, durability. I just there there was I I think there was that big launching that talking point. Oh, he got out of Tampa Bay. Well, he'll be much better about. Wait, leaving Tampa Bay is a good thing. Since when? <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's such a great point. I mean, it's funny. It's like. You never see the other side of the coin, right? Obviously, the big conversation that's going to continue throughout time, especially for Rays fans, is should he have been taken out of that game in the World Series, right? Right. But really, this is kind of proving that if you don't have one of the best analytics department in the world, sometimes you're not going to be able to get the most out of a pitcher. You know, it's it's very interesting for sure. Right. It's one flash button point about a team that's been doing that thing the same way over and over again. Um, I don't know. I, I really don't know. It's so funny. All this talk about Paddock needs a third pitch, needs the third pitch. Snell. Oh, we only need to throw two pitches. Let's let's get right. You know, what's and I think that it, you made a great point about development and all that is I think we can look at things statistically all the time. We can look at what a pitcher does. We don't really get to see the development behind the scenes that much. 
it, it's it's something that has been plaguing me a lot. And I don't want anyone who's watching or who's listening to think that I have firm, concrete ideas about this because there's so much that go on, goes on behind the scenes at every organization that I'm not going to have any idea as to where uh, the possible faults are. But I've, I've been thinking a lot about Texas, right? The Rangers and yeah. trying to determine a how do you determine if an organization has good developmental abilities or not as it pertains to pitching? And B, where do the faults lie? Is it with drafting? Is it with the GM? Is it with the minor league pitching coaches? Is it with the major, major league pitching coaches? And what does that transition look like from minors to majors? Who does a good job taking people from minors to majors? We know that Cleveland does because they seem like they have game planning all throughout. Right. But And I'm not trying to put you on the spot here, but I, can you name the last pitcher the Texas Rangers developed that was a successful starting pitcher? No, it's I really, can't. It, it, and and it, it, that's because it's impossible. <laughs> I would it's say like, there's a guy that found success there would be Lance Lynn. Definitely, but didn't come but, up through their system. Right, of course, of course. Yeah. And I think that's a great point. The Reds used to be notorious about that. And now they, yeah. I, they, they seem to be more of a developmental machine now. And they also might be a Tommy John machine, too. We'll see about that. <laughs> Unfortunately, TJ Antone uh, just uh, is going to get TJS, and that breaks my heart. I know. Uh, he's awesome. Fan, but yeah. Uh, as a Reds fan, it's just as a baseball fan, you hate seeing it anytime someone does that. I don't think it's anything the Reds are necessarily doing wrong, but I will ask, you know, baseball as a whole has this big emphasis on increasing velocity and they're, they're, for good reason, you know, the, the greater the velocity, the better the results usually, but there's a residual cost too. We've talked, we've talked about this for uh, over a decade, these ultra high velocity guys, eventually it's their turn to get surgery. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, Jeff Passan wrote that entire book about it. It's such a great book, and and yeah. it just seems that it's insane that there aren't more concrete answers at the time. Right. I mean, even facts that we knew earlier about, well, don't throw these breaking pitches so much because they lead to more Tommy John. Now we're like, oh, well, I don't really know. It's kind of like when everyone talks about, like, it seems like baseball has kind of really figured it out. It's like, no, we're only ha we only have more answers or more questions than we do answers right now. You know, right. the sabermetric revolution just gives us more and more and more questions. Um, and that's definitely one of them. Yeah. How to protect a pitcher is just a puzzle that hasn't been solved even close right now. I mean, we yeah. started looking at uh, pitcher abuse points. Randy Jezzerieri did great stuff for baseball prospectus back in the day. And there was, was it uh, a pure pitch form? No. Well, then it got put, there's some pushback about that. Well, it's different for every pitcher. Of course it's different for every pitcher. I mean, that it's, it's, we know that to be true that, you know, some, you can, t sometimes you can tell when a guy's laboring, there is also, you get more granular, how many pitches in an inning, not just in the start. Mm -hmm. But you also get a little bit more the the, the thirty thousand feet angle. Like how many pitches is he is he throwing in a season? Yeah. Uh, how, you know, and it's none of these, however, have kind of been able to put a stop to injuries. It's not like there's injury rates have gone down at any stretch. No, not at all. And it's definitely something that I think the sport is going to continue to reckon with. And as we're kind of as tech becomes um, more prevalent in front offices, specifically motion sensors and body tech and stuff like right. that. I think that's going to be what, and I'm sure that I'm, you know, every time I talk about this stuff, it's like, I bet the Dodgers did it seven years ago and know exactly. Right, right, right. The answer to this, you know, they probably it's like that South, uh, South Park episode. Simpsons did it. You know, yeah. the Dodgers did it. Yeah, yeah exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And I, 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 I'm curious to see, cause it's like you said, I mean, every pitcher is, is, is a unique body. And every pitcher's body is going to be completely different and they're going to be predisposed to certain things that other pitchers aren't. So it almost seems like trying to find one catch all to prevent a pitcher from getting TJS is kind of a fool's errand as, as that study seemed to have shown, because right. 
everyone's just so different. Look at Max Scherzer. Oh, that head tilt's going to cause all sorts of problems. Or he's going to be a Hall of Fame pitcher, one of the two. Uh, but you know what? <laughs> the background of that, though, is that it was something that was a sign that scouts looked for for time on end. And it did. It was a portent for future injury. It just didn't happen to be the case with him. It's yeah. like comparing, you know, oh, Nolan Ryan was able to throw a thousand pitches to start. Well, he's Nolan Ryan. He's he's a yeah. unicorn. You know, yeah. and, you know, it, it, one size does not fit all. And I think we, we always fail to remember that. Yeah, definitely. I mean, the, everyone was looking for the inverted W in the back. And it yep. was like, yeah, it's like you said, it's, and then ev every pitcher is an exception to the rule. You know what I mean? Like every pitcher in some way or another can be an exception to some rule about pitching, whether it's injuries or whether it's style of pitching or whatever, they're just all unique human beings. And that's like the one thing that we lose sight of myself included, of course, which is, you know, all day long, we look at fan graphs, we look at baseball savant, we look at Rotowire, right. and we see all the numbers, we don't see the person and the human being and and uh, and not even on the emotional level, but on the physiological level, right? We just don't know what they're going through, how they pitch, their mechanics. It's it's a lot right. to take in. Right. It, it, it's a complex problem, uh, that's <laughs> to be sure, and on many different levels. Uh, quick note from our friends at WinBet. Uh, they are the title sponsor for uh, this podcast. If there's one thing we appreciate here at Rotowire, it's making good decisions. And even more so, it's making the right decision. Listen up, folks. I have an incredible offer for you with Rotowire's newest partner, WinBet, the premier digital casino and sportsbook app. WinBet is now the exclusive sponsor for Rotowire's fantasy podcast. WinBet brings you all the latest action with a user friendly interface, money line bets, boosted parlays, over unders, round robins, live betting, and so much more at your fingertips. Want a break from sports betting? Head into WinBet's digital casino and take a spin on roulette, double down in blackjack, slam the slots, or try your hand at baccarat. WinBet is currently available in six states, Colorado, Indiana, Michigan, New Jersey, Tennessee, and Virginia, while rapidly expanding. At WinBet, the possibilities are limitless. WinBet is currently offering all RotoWire listeners a risk-free bet up to $500 on your first wager. Download WinBet now. That's W-Y-N-N-B-E-T. WinBet, the exclusive partner for RotoWire's fantasy podcast. I'm Jeff Erickson here with Alex Fast. You can uh, follow Alex on Twitter, of course, at AlexFast8. Uh, you can see Alex in a lot of different places, most notably pitcher list, uh, but you can also see him on ESPN, do, uh, does a lot of work at the overlays on the Sunday night broadcast. Let's talk about that. This is a, this is something that's, this is a new thing that started this year and it's great. Uh, Thanks. Uh, it, well, I mean, it, it, it's fantastic. And I, I especially love it when you get the two ESPN broadcasts and you get the, the stat cast friendly pro, uh, broadcast, you get Eduardo, you get, uh, you know, everybody in that crew, Mike Petriello does great work. Uh, and I'm, I'm I do this. Benetti, Jason, Benetti. Jason Benetti, the, the great Jason Benetti. He is mm. fantastic. Yeah, he, he listen to college basketball too. Do, you know, he's doing Olympic coverage, you know, he yeah. was doing all sorts of stuff. Jason Benetti is phenomenal. Yeah. Um, and he's a perfect play by play guy for that too, because he can hang in any crowd. That's what I love about him too. But yeah. uh, uh, I think your work gets most appreciated in a format like that, but. I love that ESPN's picked you up and you, it's get broadened the audience for who's uh, digesting this great information. Yeah, thanks. I mean, I was very, very grateful for the opportunity. And a lot of the producers that I've been working with are like us. You know what I mean? They're baseball yeah. fans and they want to try and help um, either younger or newer or uh, less receptive to sabermetric baseball fans give a different appreciation for the game. Um, right. And it's just been a, it's been a really fun opportunity. And it, it also helps me stay in it and see whose pitches are working and whose pitches aren't working. Every pitcher has got something that brings them to the major league level. 
every single one of them. So yeah. it's been great each week to have a new task and a new challenge to explore these new pitchers. And yeah, I'm very fortunate that they, that they brought me on. What's the toughest part of doing this job? Um, um, being honest. Yeah. Like, yeah. Like being like trying, you can do a lot of magic with premiere, uh, in terms of how you match up the release points from the ball and what camera angles look like, but, and then also, um, let's say, you know, Jordan Montgomery has a lot of, or let's say Walker Buehler has a lot of success with his fastball down the heart of the plate, but all the pitches that I'm showing are him having success at the top of the zone with a fastball. I don't right. want to, I don't want to misrepresent what he's doing. That makes him great. You know what I mean? I sure. want to be able to put it in a clear and concise way, but I don't want to lie to you. <laughs> you know right, what I right. mean? I, and, and I don't want, and that can be really tough because uh, Jordan Montgomery, for example, uh, a gift that I just made of him, I had to do it from the twins broadcast, right? And their broadcast camera is a little bit off center as opposed to the rays, which is a little bit more direct on. And if I showed you both in a different way, you would have a different idea of what his changeup looked like. You know what I mean? Sure. So really just trying to find something that is the most neutral, the most accurate. So that way you can actually get a sense of what the hitter is seeing, right? Cause that's all I want to do. I want to show you what the hitter is taking a look at. So that, that really is the most difficult task. Okay. That's cool. Uh, what's been the most rewarding part about doing this? Just learning about what makes guys work, like finding the exceptions to the rules. Like I remember one mm -hmm. of the first time I ever looked at Amir Garrett and I was looking at the metrics on his four seamer and his slider. And this one, he was a little bit more consistent uh, last year. It just didn't make any sense. You know what I mean? It just didn't make sense how a guy with the metrics on that fastball and the metrics on that slider could have success. And then when I made overlays, you could just see the way that those two pitches played off one another. And it's really broadened my appreciation for um, pitch B's success is often as a result of pitch A. Right. And that that to me is like one of the one of the, it's such a simple concept, but it's something that we always forget because it's like and I do this myself all the time. This pitcher's swinging strike rate in his slider is awesome. You know what I mean? Well, why? It's probably because of the fastball. The slider is great, but it could be because of the changeup. could be because of the sinker. So getting a deeper appreciation for the breadth of arsenals is definitely my my biggest takeaway. That's cool. That's very cool. Uh, what pitcher has caught your eye the most since doing this that you, you were assigned a certain pitcher and like, whoa, I didn't expect that. Um, the first one that jumped out was earlier in the year was Corbin Burns cutter slider combination. Mm -hmm. Like Corbin Burns, obviously no mystery that he's great, but that's like actual magic. Like that's like two pitches are turning into one pitch is turning into two pitches. Like it's like pure magic. And then more recently, probably Shane McClanahan. Yeah. I mean, he's that, nasty. That, oh my God. That, that slider at that velocity playing off of that fastball is insane <laughs> yeah it is it's insane uh and then i guess i keep the reason i could bring up uh, up earlier was jordan montgomery he's the only pitcher with two 20 swing strike rate pitches in baseball thrown over 250 times and i didn't know that you know because he's the that. guy that's yeah it's crazy he, he's the, the only one in baseball his changeup and his curveball both have 20 or more or higher swing strike rates and that's that, awesome yeah blew my mind i had no idea Wow, that's that's really cool. Uh, maybe I should be a little bit more uh, optimistic about him going forward there because he hasn't had a great year. He's just been no. okay. He's been hurt a lot, so that's part of it too. Uh, that's that's always the thing that you know. As soon as we think we know something, you know, then then the guy gets hurt, something changes his delivery. You know, adjusts because he's dealing with the pain or something like that. You mentioned Amir Garrett. I mean, 
that's a guy I got to imagine. It's hard to get that same release point. It's hard to get that tunneling going on. Uh, you know, big guy, not as much experience pitching, obviously, because he was a basketball player too. You know, mm-hmm. just getting, and I, you can see maybe that's why taller pitchers take longer to develop. Yeah, definitely. It's a great point. I mean, man, I could I could go on rants with you about this forever, but I know we only have yeah. 45 to 50 minutes. I, I could right. talk about you with this forever. Like just the fact that like, why do pitchers lose that? Why do pitchers take longer to have success? It's just like, like we said, so many questions, so many questions. You did a segment a few months ago on MLB Network uh, with Brian Kenny. Uh, I believe it was with BK. He's he's always so receptive to learning new things. I love BK. I, cool. I used to do stuff with him way back in the day on ESPN News uh, when he, uh, it was uh, the Fantasy 350. And it always kind of like, you know, and Joe Sheehan and I would drive down to downtown Disney in Anaheim to do the, the hit from there because he would be on like either immediately before or immediately after. And then Bino Cook, the complete opposite of us, right after that, too. It was amazing. But BK was like, you know, I love talking fancy, but I love talking sabermetrics. I mean, this is back before it became a lot more mainstream, before he's on MLB Network and all that. Anyways, you did a segment there that was uh, explaining CSW uh, percentage. And I I thought you explained it so well. I wanted you to do it again here. Sure. Yeah, great. Um, so first of all, you know, like you said, BK is behind the scenes, as you know, is just as kind and generous, like yes. as he presents to be like, he's just yes. a mensch. He's an amazing like, guy. Yeah. The first time I went in, he just came up to me, made me feel like I was home, like just, you know, obviously a little jitters about going on TV and he was just great. Um, so CSW stands for called strikes plus whiffs. And it's a super simple formula. Uh, it's the amount of called strikes a pitcher gets in a start plus the amount of swings and misses that they get in a start you add them together for CSW percentage. And what we found is that can have a really good relationship to not ERA, but ERA indicators, most notably Sierra, which is good because then it means that it's a little bit predictive. We've noticed that there isn't too much of a floor or ceiling between the two. A pitcher's average is going to make sense over the course of time, right? There's not a lot of fluctuation there. And after about five starts, we can get a pretty good sense of how a particular pitcher or if a particular pitcher is going to have success, maybe if they're going to stop having success or, you know, in case of Blake Snell, his CSWs recently have been very beneficial. So that could point to the fact that he's maybe turning things around a little bit. Um, The way that I always describe it is it's just another tool in a fantasy player's tool belt. I'm not going to sit here and tell you that CSW is an end-all be-all stat. It's like any other sabermetric and that it's supposed to be used in context with other stats. It's a really, really good jumping off point from what I found. And then there's plenty of ways that you can break it down to go further. But yeah, at its core, very simple. Called strikes, whiffs, add them together. I like it. I like it. So what's a good benchmark? Uh, You know, starting pitch, let's say starting pitcher, what sort of floor are you looking at as a, at least a league average starting pitcher? What's a, 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 a well above average starting pitcher when it comes to that? So 29% is about league average. 28, okay. 29% is about league average. If I see 30 to 35, I'm like, that's a good start. If I see 35 to 40, that's a really good start. And then if I see 35 to 40 at or over 100 pitches, that's like, you've that's dominant. I mean, it's, it's really hard to sustain that rate over 100 pitches. You'll sure, often see of guys with like, 37% dip down to like 32 after a hundred pitches. But yeah, I, 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 yeah. And then it works on a pitch level too, but all those averages are based on pitch level. I think. I have to imagine then max effort relievers have a higher floors for each of those categories. 
Yeah, definitely. Higher floor and higher. Well, yeah, it depends on their command. I mean, sometimes a if it, it'll take about 100, excuse me, 500 pitches. And because of their, their usage, we don't really use it too often for relievers just because there's much more volatility with them. And by the sure. time they set up enough pitches, it like doesn't really matter. But yeah, over the end of it, yeah, there's, there's a little more volatility there for them. We're talking uh, with Alex Fast uh, from Pitcher List, from MLB, from ESPN, and Masson. Uh, quick note from our next sponsor, Thrive. NFL is back on Thrive Fantasy. Thrive Fantasy has over $100,000 guaranteed for NFL Week 1. With Thrive Fantasy, you can eliminate the countless hours of research and focus on only the top-tier athletes that have the biggest impact on the game. Sign up today and get a free six-month Rotowire subscription. Here's how you claim your free Rotowire subscription. One, visit rotowire.com thrive. Two, deposit a minimum of $10 and receive a 100% deposit bonus up to $100. Three, play in your first paid contest and receive a free six-month Rotowire subscription. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Thanks to Thrive and thanks to our Blue Wire sponsors for listening in here. Uh, I'm talking with Alex Fast. Alex, uh, you know, this year has been especially challenging dealing with pitching uh, for many, many reasons. Dealing with the shorter year last year uh, and trying to ramp up to a full season. And then the crackdown on grip enhancement. I mean, it threw our world for a loop. I, we, we, we saw the memorandum come out in spring training, like late in spring training, late in draft season. So we had a... a a little bit of a hint that something was coming, but I don't think most people expected this big sea change. And I, it threw me for a loop in June. I know that. Yeah, it was a nightmare, just like every start. And then it wasn't even consistent, right? You right. Darvish looked great. And then you Darvish didn't look great. And then was it because of injury? Was it because of the ball? It's just like, listen, we've got enough variables to deal with. And now that we had this one, it was just a mess. Yeah, and I, going forward, I don't know how we're going to react to this. How do we handicap that for 2022? I mean, for 2021, we're stuck with the pitchers we have, by and large. I mean, you get guys off the waiver wire and all that, you can make some trades. But do we really know who benefited the most from that? Do we not? We're, we're, 
there are obvious candidates like Bauer and like Cole, uh, but there were others that we just didn't quite know. And until we saw stuff, you know, obviously the Tyler Glasnow situation was a really sad one there. We don't even know if he is right in blaming that on his injury because pitchers get hurt all the time. But how do you handle this? Like, how are you handicapping these guys going forward with this? Um, man, that's such a great question. I, I think I'm going to give them the benefit of the doubt and believe that with a full off season to prepare, knowing that they won't have it, they'll be able to adjust a little bit more, not having to see them change on the fly, I think is a big deal. Um, there it's not the end all be all in the extent that I believe the team with the largest change in their spin rate post post what we're calling gloop gate. Uh, was the Dodgers, who still have one of the best starting pitcher ERAs in all of mm-hmm. baseball. I mean, Walker Buehler, he didn't miss a beat. Right, that's um, true. I would, man, I would really like to know what happens with the CBA in regards to this. Yeah, and unfortunately, you can say that on so many different things when we're looking at 2022. I mean, it, it, it's it looms over us, and uh, I'm really scared about what's going to happen because I think it's going to be really ugly. I think it's going to be intense, and I think that it wouldn't surprise me. It seemed like at the end of the day, both batters and pitchers were like, give them sunscreen. Like, that's fine. Sunscreen and rosin, we have no problem with. It's when, you know, certain organizations are bringing in chemists and they're coming up with these crazy concoctions. That's the problem. So it wouldn't surprise me if this was one of those simple things where the players want it, the teams don't have a problem with it, and that's one of the easy things that they're able to deal with. I'm, I'm hoping that that's going to be the case because I think what, what does get lost in the sight of this, because it can often be blown out of proportion is guys are throwing harder and they don't want to hit batters. And I don't think batters minds, you know, if there's one substance that the league is like, this is it, this is all you can use. Then that changes things a little bit, but let's say that doesn't happen. Um, it's such a, it, I don't want to call it a fool's errand, but it harkens back to what we talked about before where every pitcher is so different. Right. Like Corbin Burns struggled a little bit more after it. So maybe you knock Corbin Burns down a little bit. I think the, the, the long and short of it, as I'm a little getting a little long winded here is make it the small decision maker between two places in your rankings. You know what I mean? Right. Every once in a while I'll use like wins or quality starts to be like, Oh, these two pitchers could be 11 and 12. Who's going to be 11 and who's going to be 12. This guy's on a better team. I'll make him number 11. That should be where it is right now. Uh, he dropped a little bit with spin rate, so maybe he continues doing that. Let's drop him down a little bit, but that's it. Yeah, I, I don't think it's as simple as just using spin rate as a proxy. I think it's mm. a starting point, uh, and spin rate change, for that matter, is probably a good good starting point, but I'm sure it's more complicated than that. I, I would wonder if pitch mix also is something that could be an indicator. Certain pitches, you know, reliance on them is a lot more important than others, right? Yeah, definitely. I mean, who who really relied on rise on their fastball that is theoretically not going to get it, right? Cole, you could have said that about Garrett Cole. He really relied on rise on that force right. to play off of his curveball and his slider. He figured it out. Um, but is that going to present difficulties for him later on? I guess if if it's all sliders, especially guys throwing so many gyro sliders and you want to deaden the spin on that anyway then it's fine. But yeah, guys were really, really four-seam dependent. Like if Tristan yeah. McKenzie was using it, I'd be worried when he's throwing like 80 fastballs a game. Luckily right. he's not. But yeah, high fastball dependencies, I'd be more concerned. Okay, good to know. Um, I, I think that, yeah, it's I, I again, this is always one of those where there's 
statistical indicators. There's, we have so much more information at our fingertip when it's Savant, like you said, you know, just getting into what type of pitches. I mean, Mike has done such great work. All the people at BAM have done such great work to make this data available to us there. So much more, but it's also like trying to get a good strainer for this here too, to try to figure out what matters. And, and, and it matters in certain contexts and not in others. And that's the other thing. Yeah, it's just another one of those million variables. And yeah, just like you said, Petriello, Tom Tango, Darren Willman, before he yep. started working for the Rangers, they've just been like the amount of information we have as a result of them is great. Yeah. But we also need people like Mike to say, hey, a drop in 50 RPM means absolutely nothing. So when you see a right. little red arrow because of 50, ignore it. When you see 250, that's that's the problem. Yeah. A shout out to Corey Schwartz, too, for being oh. one of the Mariners, too, our buddy there. And, you know. Huge guy in the fantasy industry, and now all of a sudden he doesn't do it. And it's, we miss Corey. I miss you know Corey on the phone. How many times I would slack him and try and get him back into the fantasy industry? I can imagine. I can all, imagine. I all the time. He's our white whale. We'll, we'll bring him back one day. I want him to get come out to first pitch Arizona. Um, I want him to, you know, all these things. I miss Corey. Uh, Corey and Mike Ciano both uh, great people. So uh, try to get them back in, but it, it would be awesome. Uh, one thing I want to kind of focus on the last thing is uh, I had a list of pitchers, problem pitchers for 2022. Uh, and I want to spend some more time on that. Uh, so let's jump right into it. Right off the top, Jacob DeGrom. He was prohibitively the number one pitcher in baseball, number one player in fantasy baseball for next year. And now we've been without him for a long time. He had an, an MRI that came back like kind of sort of okay is basically what I'm, I'm paraphrasing. But it, it wasn't like, oh, everything's clean. Everything's full, full go here. There, there's some still concerns with him a little bit. He did throw. What do you do with him next year? Does it depend on what he does the rest of this season? Um, I think I was thinking about that a lot because it's such a good question because it's like you said, he, he's the best pitcher in baseball. There's, there's no mm -hmm. doubt about it. His velocity goes up every single year. So that makes these injuries a little bit more worrisome. Right. Here's what I'm kind of suggesting. Why, if you're in your draft and you're in the first round and it comes to a spot where DeGrom is the best option, maybe do your pocket aces for the very first time. You know what I mean? Make mm -hmm. it so that if you get DeGrom and that you, cause I feel like a lot of people will take DeGrom and then they'll wait a long time because they've got the best pitcher in baseball and get a number two, go DeGrom, you know, Burns, go DeGrom Cole, DeGrom Scherzer, whatever. So that way you can focus on hitting for the next six, seven, eight rounds. And if DeGrom does end up going down, then you've got your second ace ready to go. I think that would be how I would operate with DeGrom moving forward because, man, a forearm strain with that velocity on that team, with that health, you know, like the, their, their health woes in the past, right. definitely is enough to give you pause. And a previous shoulder, achy shoulder that hurt, he hurt by hitting, but still, you know, it, it, it's another one of those that you don't really quite trust. Plus, there's the Mets factor. We just don't trust the Mets at all. New regime, and I still don't trust them one single bit. Yeah, yeah, I'm with you. Yeah, so that there's uh, we talked Snell. Here's a good tough call. I like when players remain solved. It means I can cross them off my list. It means I don't have to worry about them, good or bad, or or, or on the other side, I know they're safe and I can always take them. Well, Robbie Ray is the opposite of that. I thought I was a never Robbie Ray guy. I saw all the good news coming out of spring training. Hey, he changed his pitch mix. He's adding velocity. He's going to be better this year. It's like, eh, whatever. He's still going to walk a billion guys. Yeah. Boy, was I wrong. 
Listen, I am right in that camp with you. Move on over on that bench because I was all yeah. on the Robbie Ray is not it. I mean, I, I I was personally bit by him last year because the arm circle changed. You change the arm circle. It's going to be more straight ahead, more simple. Lucas Giolito. Mm-hmm. Then he was miserable last year. And then even at the beginning of the year, four-seam slider, four-seam slider, four-seam slider. And to me, it was what was going to break first. Was that four-seam going to continue to give up home runs? at the level that it was, or is the slider going to take over and be a bit more effective? And I went in the direction of the four seamer. I said he was not going to be as good. And man, did I have egg all over my face because he's been fantastic. I, he's a new interesting breed of pitcher that we're seeing more often, which is just four seam slider, right? Like Waskari Noah, Jack Flaherty a little bit last year, another guy that we're going to talk about a little bit later in, um, uh, in Freddie Peralta, like, I get a little bit worried about that, but they've been very effective. Um, I will say he does have the highest left on base rate in all of baseball, and there's just no way that that can sustain. Does that right. mean he's going to be a low four, high three ERA pitcher like he has been? Maybe not, but I don't think he's a low mid two ERA pitcher next year. Yeah, I guess you always hear like, okay, I want the guy that can miss bats and every once in a while string together the control. I guess that's basically what he he was this year. Man, I mean – He's going to go probably in the top five or six rounds in 15 team leagues next year. And I just don't know if I'm going to have the confidence to do it. I may, I might be sitting on the bench again next year with the prove it to me again. And that I could be wrong, but listen, I mean, find me a season, which he's been consistent back to back. You know what I mean? He's right. a different pitcher now. I mean, that's a little unfair of me to say, but like sure. there were, there were, there were strings in, in Arizona where we were like, Oh my God, he's an ace. And we're finally seeing that, 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 that ceiling but i'm with you like hey man have fun on someone else's team i just don't know if i can believe it for another year yeah i'm with you i'm with you on that and uh i probably i probably won't be there for that i i I imagine you you'll see leagues full of that but it's how much of a discount you're going to get off that uh, off his perceived numbers that's the i think the real question there i'm just not going to be there for that there uh you mentioned jack flaherty i don't think i gave you that on the list but he went back on the il with it looks like he aggravated that oblique after a long painstaking rehab they thought they did everything right and here we are it's just i don't know if there's much to judge because i i don't unless you think like maybe his motion is you know lends to him getting hurt more frequently i i think i'm probably just going to be back in relatively close to where he went last this this past season but i'm not quite sure yeah you know i i have originally when he came up, it was like, I'm all about Flaherty. I think he's great. And then he had that great year. I still just worry about that four seamer because I just don't know Mm -hmm. how really good it can be. And it's so, so incredibly BABIP dependent. And they've always had a really good infield defense to nullify that and make that happen. Um, So I don't know. I'm I'm still going to have to wait and see. I also just like was curious if he was ever going to bring in that curveball a little bit more. Um, But what I'll say about him is like, it just sucks for the sport because he's such a great sport personality. You know what I yeah. mean? Like in a yeah. non-fantasy direction, like just the way he gets fired up, his social media presence, like the sport is better when he pitches. So I just want to see him pitch good or bad. Yeah. <laughs> same. Absolutely. Same thing. Uh, Luis Castillo, a lot of talk about how he does not like pitching in cold weather. The results kind of tie into that. He's throwing harder now this summer than he was in the early in the season. This is multiple years of these data points is, you know, is this something that we can just rely on? Is there a way for him to figure this out? Uh, I, I don't know what to do. Is this rarely do I tie it to weather, but I, I think I am with Castillo a little bit. 
Yeah, it is such a, it almost reminds me of Corey Kluber, not in terms of the weather, but in terms of guys who would have terrible starts that you would like Corey Kluber's Aprils were always like the worst in baseball. Yeah. And then you would trade for him and then he would turn it on for the rest of the year. Yeah. Um, you know, it's funny too, because it, he is so inconsistent. But with that said, I was looking at his numbers today. So he's got a 4.29 ERA, 23% K rate and a 13% swinging strike rate. He had that exact line. 4-3 ERA, 23% K rate, 13% swing strike rate in 2018. So we've yeah. seen him have years just of, of complete inconsistency and, and right. ineffectiveness. So I think it's all about team construction at that point. Like you're really going to need to pair him with someone, another pitcher early on. And like, like I, don't, I don't know if I do. Do you feel comfortable with him as your SP1 at all moving forward ever? Not really, no. Um, yeah. And certainly not in the NFBC where there are no trades. You know, if I'm playing in tout and he's in my pool, then sure, I can make the trade. But I mean, come on. Everybody else can read, you know, they can they can read his stat line too. They can, they know what the, the score is there. And they're not, we, we saw people panicking and dropping him and trading him cheap this year because the low yeah. was just so low. But yeah. after, after his turnaround, I don't see it happening. I think most people are just, are going to be a lot more wise to this now. Yeah, I agree. I, I also think that, you know, that changeup's elite. This is the first time ever in his career that the changeups had a below 20% swinging strike rate. I just statistically that bounces back. Once mm -hmm. again, all conjecture. I have no idea. Something curious that I've been thinking about is how what is now firmly a driveline regime, right, with, with Kyle Bode yes. and, that, and that organization, how he responds to that, how he reacts to that. I have no idea. Maybe they just say, hey, man, you've had success doing your thing. Go do your thing. Maybe they're trying to make him make some particular changes. Those mechanics are always wonky. So it's like when you get them, know that the highs are going to be high, the lows are going to be low, and just build your team around it. We're going to insert a sauna in the bullpen. You can throw it when you can warm up there. I don't know. Uh, yeah, it, it, that's a new driveline thing there. I, I just gave them yeah. a billion-dollar idea. Uh, might, yeah. But there you go. Next to the humidor is the sauna. That's where yes. you go. Yeah. Clayton Kershaw, uh, the durability concerns are getting greater and greater. We thought maybe he was getting a case of dodgeritis uh, going heading into this uh, right in before the All Star break. We're like, oh, okay, this is a chance for him to miss the All Star game. No, he's on the sixty day now, and you know, forearm often leads to elbow, which leads to a lot of other things. I mean, it's yeah, it, it's kind of scary. It is, and it's so unfortunate because he's having, in many ways, or in some facets, I should say, a career year. His his the swinging strike rate in his slider leads baseball with a minimum of 500 thrown, yeah. and it's the first time he's ever thrown sl his slider more than his four seam. Uh, right. He's worked like new highs in swinging strike rate. It's just so frustrating to know that like he's still got it. Like he's still very much got it when he's pitching. He's had a few blowups, no no doubt, but he's still a low three ERA pitcher who's getting you more Ks than he has before. Um, so, yeah, it's another thing where it's like, I guess the way I'm treating him next year, I I still think 150 can be his ceiling. I don't think we're ever going to see him hit 170, 175 ever again. Um, but I still think 150 can be his ceiling. He's at around 100 right now. Maybe he finishes with like 110. Uh, I'm also curious to see, like, he's a free agent, right? This yeah. Is, I, I cannot imagine him on any other team other than the Dodgers. Same. I just can't. Uh, yeah. He and he and Mike Trout both are going to come at a severe discount, and you just have to put a drag on what you pay for them in a draft, just because games accumulated games matter at some point. The rate is great, but you need you need the volume too. Yeah, I mean, I don't know 
what you do in a weekly league as opposed to a roto league in a roto league it's like i don't really mind as much because it's going to be 120 150 innings of quality pitching in a weekly league like that can really lose you weeks and start to pile up a little bit so then i'd be a little bit more cautious for sure for sure one more problem child and then we'll get to the good problems jesus lazardo mess of a year real big mess of a year change the scenery hasn't helped that much yet what do you do with him next year I probably stay away. I I am not confident he's really going to be a starter, to be honest. I mean, let's talk about the, the that Marlins team and the depth there. So right. Sandy Ocataro, Pablo Lopez, and Trevor Rogers are locks, right? They're in the right. rotation, assuming health, one, two, three. Sixto Sanchez in the rotation. Maybe it takes a little bit longer for him to come up, but mm-hmm. if he's healthy, he's in the rotation. So then we've got three and a half, maybe four. So then behind that, Eliezer Hernandez, Zach Thompson, Edward Cabrera, Max Meyer, Jake Eater, Braxton Garrett, Nick Nieder, Jordan Holloway. The, what leash do you put on Jesus Cesardo? You know what I mean? Maybe he pitches right. earlier in the year while you get Sixto ready and you get Max Meyer ready or any of the other prospects. But if he's ineffective, you just put him in the pen. So I, I just maybe he's a fun late round flyer. But I really don't want to rely on him. And the counterpoint to that is. The Marlins have been doing wonders with starting pitchers, right? I mean, they have. They're not, speaking what, of development, what we were talking about earlier. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, great point. I mean, sometimes they ship them off, like Zach Allen, for some reason, and then sometimes they retain them and they're great. But um, so I, I am very curious to see what what he does. But like injury risk, inconsistency, and short leash with a bunch of other great pitchers around him, that to me does not say he's a number. You know, he's a, he's a definite. So I'm a little worried. Yeah. By the way, I lied. I'm going to give you one more problem, child. I just thought okay. about it. We were, talk- we were talking about the Marlins and development. What about Zach Gallen? You know, he, he's backslid this year, even when he has been healthy, but I don't know how healthy he really is. And I think that's probably the starting point for the conversation. But man, that that's a real problem right now with him. And I, I expected him to be an ace this year. I'm with you 100%. And if, if our woes weren't enough, we at least before could have been like, He's bad. We can cast him aside. And then he goes to cores has like the best start right? of the year, right? Like dominates in cores. Um, I still am in on Zach Allen. I still think the arsenal is there. I still think we're, we're not seeing the polish that we're used to seeing for him. We're used to seeing really great cutters. We're used to seeing really great changeups and the changeup has not been there so far. Uh, so I still think it's an injury feel thing. To put my money where my mouth is, I just traded for him in a dynasty. So I still believe that Zach Allen can have success moving forward. Nice. What was the trade? Uh, I took a good advantage of a very good friend of mine who was in it to win it now. Okay. Who had he and Ronald Acuna. Uh, so I got Ronald Acuna and Gallon for very cheap and ended up giving up uh, Liam Hendricks and Nick Castellanos. Uh, and I think one more person, oh, oh, Fran Moraes. So giving him a lot of like power now, it's a points league. Um, and there might've been one more person, but yeah, just kind of my best players who were, I were not, I was not going to keep for next year because they were getting really, really expensive and got him for Acuna who's Acuna and Gallon were both under 10 bucks. So like Oy. just rebuilt the team like right away. It was great. Yeah. Love it. Yeah, very happy. Great trade. Very good. Well, 
We'll bask in the glow of that trade while I give you the last read for this uh, episode here. The new NFL season is fast approaching, and Yahoo is excited to kick off daily fantasy football. Yahoo is also excited to announce that its platform will now be shark-free. No more Alex Fast in your league. To celebrate the opening of Yahoo Daily Fantasy Football and being shark-free, Yahoo is giving the users opportunity to claim free ten a uh, free ten dollars dollars in contest entry credit. Users can take advantage of this free free ten dollars contest entry credit offer to join Yahoo's Week One One Million Baller Contest. The One Million Baller Contest features two hundred thousand dollars in guaranteed prize prizing overlay. Twenty five percent of the players entered will be paid out including first place receiving $100,000 and an entry fee to the first ever Yahoo Fantasy Football Championship Live Finals event, which will occur at MGM National Harbor in Maryland this December. Play daily fantasy football on Yahoo this season. Visit sports.yahoo.com slash daily fantasy slash welcome to claim the free $10 offer. As alluded, I'm here with Alex Fast from Pitcher List, MLB, uh, ESPN, Masson Orts. What do you do for Masson, by the way? I do a lot of their pregame content, so I'll come on and kind of break down what's going on with the team, who's having success, who isn't, what's going on in the minors, stuff like right. that. Right. Okay, cool. Very cool. Uh, they they have a fun broadcast team right now. They've been, you know, they've been a very progressive organization in terms of that. Uh, my uh, producer at XM, Adrian Robinson, actually does a lot of the PA work there. Uh, so, oh, wow. Yeah, she was, she was a producer for us on the, X, on the Sirius XM for a while, uh, so... Yeah, they've got a fun crew. Kevin Brown, Melanie Newman, they're yep. they're awesome. They're yeah, great. they are. They are. Uh, let's talk about good problems. Kevin Gossman. I mean, I can just go through the whole Giants organization, the former Reds on the Giants. Uh, let me just go that route. But Gossman, uh, you know, Disclafani's had a pretty good year. He's hurt right now. Alex Woods had a good year. Uh, you know, Cueto is a former Red. You know, they just I think they found their little uh, inefficiency right there. Just grab former Reds. But Kevin Gossman in particular, he's an ace. Uh, are we drafting him as such next year? Listen, I was out at the beginning of this year because I didn't trust a guy with a two mi- a two pitch mix uh, with his second pitch being a splitter, which is a notoriously difficult difficult pitch to throw consistently. Mm-hmm. And he proved us wrong. And honestly, the only blips he's had this year is when he sadly had to go in like the IL or the right. bereavement IL. Right? Um, that's when the blips happened. So. Uh, with the fact that he's got one of the more elite combinations in that fastball splitter, plus the fact returning once again to organizational mentalities, I do not know how the giants are able to continuously take guys and turn them into some of the best pitchers in baseball. Like you said, that rotation Webb, Cueto, Descalfani, Wood, Gaussman, that's a majority of their starters this year is the second best starting pitcher ERA in baseball. That blows my mind. That blows my mind. And last year, remember what they did with Trevor Cahill. All of a sudden, Trevor Cahill was a guy they were like, oh, my God, this is a guy we're starting now. Yeah. Um, And he was great. So I just have to say, you know what? That's another organization like Tampa Bay, like the Dodgers, where I just trust whatever it is they're doing right now. And I'm going to I'm going to keep rolling with it. And we haven't really even seen many injuries out of him this year either. So, yeah, I'm, I'm fine moving forward with him. Yeah, this is two years in a row where the Giants have been ahead of where we expected them to be. Last year, uh, they had the brutal finish to the season, didn't make the playoffs. But this year, I mean, my goodness, it was like, oh, this is going to be a great setup here. Look at this farm system. They got these guys in high A. They're going to be crushing it soon. But, oh, no, they got the best record in baseball. It's just, it's amazing to me. Uh, and they're yeah. doing it on the hitting side, too. I mean, they're getting some great years out of people you did not expect. And uh, just 
this might be a development franchise for all we know. And and our 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 book on Gabe, Gabe Kapler as a manager might be different too. Definitely. I think he found the front office that works best for him. I don't think the Phillies were as, uh, would like to embrace sabermetrics as, as much as he would have liked to. And right. that is a team that is essentially two different teams. Like their lefty righty teams are really just two different baseball teams. Right. Like the, the starters that they have for lefties. It's, it's insane. And it's really fun because I would challenge any casual baseball fan east of the Mississippi to name five players on that team. You know right. what I mean? Like, right. Between Darren Ruff and Mauricio Dubon, it's like these are guys that are not only starting but are extremely effective for them. It's been it's been fun to watch. It has, it has indeed. Uh, so is he is Gossman an SP one for you? Are you taking him in the top thirty of a draft? Thirty of a draft. So you know one of the top ten <sighs> pitchers. Um. Yeah. Or why not? Yeah, let's say yes. Let's do it. Why not? Let's say okay. Yes. All right. Good. Yeah, I'll do it. Very good. Uh, Carlos Rodon, freely available to the entire baseball world this offseason. He was designated for assignment <laughs> by the White Sox. Anybody could have signed him. The, the White Sox brought him back. Uh, he added velocity. He, he's got better command. Are we buying into him? I know he's just coming off the IL this week. What do, what do you think about Carlos Rodon? Yeah, I mean, it's like when you see guys like this, when you see a tangible change in terms of velocity, right? To go from 91 and or 93 to a consistent 96. Yeah, that is insane. That that and and showing sustainability over that. He's another guy that I think that could theoretically be an injury risk moving forward. Like he's another guy where I'm probably going to project like 150 to 175 out of him at most. But yeah. with with that arsenal, that slider, that new pitching coach. Um, yeah, I, I have no choice, but to, but to buy in, I mean, I don't know if I would take him as, as SP one, but if I can snag Carlos Rodon as my SP two, I'm, I'm probably feeling pretty happy. He's top 10 in CSW this year overall. It's, it's, it's real. Yeah. And you know, the white Sox as a whole, their run prevention has been phenomenal. Uh, bullpen, not so much starting pitching mm-hmm. though has been incredible. I mean, Kopech has been great. He's been amazing. Yeah. Hendricks has done what he's going to do, but you know, there's a lot of those guys in the back end of that bullpen I thought were going to be pretty good this year that just weren't Bummer, Foster, a handful of others. Uh, so we'll see what happens with that that aspect of it there. But hey, maybe they they've kind of stumbled upon something. They they changed up their pitching coach too, and sometimes that makes a big difference. Yeah, definitely, without a doubt. Last guy I want to talk about, Freddie Peralta. Fi- you know, finally, finally, he's ensconced in the Brewers rotation. We are always like, oh, he's so good, but he he can't get a spot in the rotation, or he won't go deep in the games. They're still kind of te- treating him with a uh, kid gloves a little bit. There is the Dury really concerned enough to hold you back on him going forward? Um, man, it's so funny to talk about him when at the beginning of the year it was like Freddie Peralta beat out Josh Lindblom. I can't believe it, uh, and now here we yeah. are being like Freddie Peralta is a top ten pitcher in baseball. I can't believe it. Um. I, I like Freddie Peralta. I love that fastball slider combination. The worry with him a lot of the time was inconsistency in command, right? Right. The command has not been great. He still has a relatively high walk rate, one of the higher walk rates of his career. His zone rate is not as – it's actually lower than it used to be, aside from that one blip last year. His mechanics, too, where he's kind of a slinger, like not like a full slinger. He's got the over the head and then the tight body into the sling. That gives me a little bit pause in terms of repeatability. Yeah. Um, so that scares me a little bit. And then also just 
you know, the Brewers as an organization seem to often take the page out of the Dodgers playbook where, I mean, for a while it was like Freddie Peralta turning into another starter, like whoever they were going with after him. I don't know. It was like maybe Adrian Hauser or something, but it seems like outside of Burns and Woodruff, they want to kind of spread it around a little bit. So right. I don't, I don't know if I'm fully in on the consistency and, and buying really high on Freddie Peralta in 2020, I think the price is going to be high. I think yeah. overall people are going to buy into it. So I might be missing out the, on, on him next year. He had plenty of his patrons going into draft season this year too. And the fact that they got rewarded, it's only going to boost that up. They're going to say, well, he's the next Corbin Burns. Uh, I think that's probably a mistake. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I was sadly one of those patrons, but ended up with no shares. Oh, that's the uh, worst. I saved all of my auction money at the end of my hometown auction to say, I'm going to spend whatever it takes, just whatever it takes, an insane amount of money. Why not? Who cares? And I got outbid by a dollar, and I, I've just been sitting oh. on the sidelines watching this. What could have been? What could have been? Oh, that is just the worst. I hate that. I, you know, the worst is uh, actually the slight modification on the worst is when you dial back just a little bit. You hear the one negative thing on your guy. You're like, oh, hmm. well, that's true. It could be that. <laughs> And then, then you, then you, okay. Why? Well, or I have too many shares of him. I have him in too many teams. I'm gonna bet. I'm gonna back off just a little bit. And then you, here comes the NFBC main event, and you don't get him there. Like, oh, and it goes off. Yeah, yeah. exactly. I know. Uh, so yeah, we'll end on that happy, cringeworthy note. But uh, <laughs> on that. what do you got coming up next, Alex? What's uh, coming up on pitcher list for you? What's coming up? Uh, what do you got going on this weekend for ESPN? Uh, so for this weekend, maybe trying to do a Jordan Montgomery gif, which I'm excited about. Um, right now I'm looking into something that I'm really interested in. That's a game volatility score. So taking okay. a look at game scores and taking a look at who has the higher standard deviation uh, in their game scores on a year, uh, on a start by start basis, just to kind of get a sense of getting more specific about who the inconsistent pitchers really are and who the consistent pitchers really are. So yeah, diving into that and seeing what I can find, seeing if there's anything. All right, cool. I look forward to seeing it. Alex, nice. really fun conversation with you. Appreciate you coming on board today. I can't wait to like see you in person. Hopefully it's out in March. Yeah. Thanks so much for having me. It's been great. And yeah, looking forward to seeing you again and keep talking some more baseball. Sounds great. Sounds great. We got uh, clay link and Todd Zola tomorrow. Thanks everybody for listening. Thanks to WinBet for sponsoring. Uh, please subscribe, rate, and review. As always, it really matters a lot to us. Uh, and we'll be back at you again tomorrow. Take care.